Welcome back to another Youth Centered Podcast. This is the sixth and final part of our Savage Leadership Series. And we saved uh, the one that I know the most for last. And I think you're going to really enjoy um, this person's take on leadership uh, and how he has grown his company uh, from the from the day the young days and and basically how his family has gotten incredibly involved with this and obviously one of the most successful businessmen in North Anima. So first of all, welcome to Chris Downer. Uh, thanks for having me here, Rick. Uh, looking forward to uh, answering some questions. Absolutely. We're going to chop it up a little bit. So um, for people that don't know, Chris Downer is the owner and proprietor, along with his wife, Nicole, of Downer Brothers Landscaping. And uh, I like to try to tell a quick little story. I started here in 1988, and I got to know, one of the first people I got to know was a woman named Linda Downer. And she was doing a ton of work with me, actually helping kids uh, that had learning disabilities and kind of working with a really kind of group of kids that were struggling that I had here first at the youth center. And um, obviously with working with Linda, I got to meet her amazing husband, Steve. And then I got to meet these two young guys. And uh, her two sons obviously were uh, big basketball guys in North Andover. But I also noticed they had this little side gig uh, of the Downer Brother landscaping. And, you know, when you think and see all of his trucks around town right now, I remember when he used to push this little handheld lawnmower with his brother uh, doing people's lawns around North Andover. So, um, it's really great to see 33 years later what Chris and his company has done. So, Chris, let, let's, I mean, I kind of led into your bio, but give us a little uh, bio on the Chris Downer files. Um, my dad was in sales. Uh, he was shipped out to Illinois. I was born in Chicago, lived there for four years, and then he wanted to get back east. I lived in Vermont for six years, and then when I was 10, that's when we moved to North Andover. Uh, my brother and I... Uh, in Vermont, we had a pretty big yard. Uh, we had a couple of elderly neighbors, and they asked my parents if the boys could cut their grass, and that's kind of how it started. And so I was eight, my brother was ten, uh, and we started mowing lawns. Moved to North Andover, and uh, I knocked on one neighbor's lawn uh, door, asked them to cut their lawn, knocked on the other neighbor. So we had two lawns that first year that we were in North Andover, uh, and then each year it just kind of got a little bigger and kept it through high school and college, my brother and I. We had probably 60 or 70 lawns in college and in high school. Uh, I went to Babson College. Uh, I always knew I wanted to run my own business. I didn't really know what that would be, um, but the foundation was kind of already there. And then when I got out of college, we just started growing down Brothers. Yeah, and talk a little bit about the most important people in your life. Uh, Nicole, who obviously actually worked for me a little bit here and I've got to know over the decades and uh, your amazing daughters. Give them a little bit of a shout out. Who are they? Um, yeah, Nicole and I have been, uh, you know, business partners, life partners, uh, 25 years. Uh, I got four daughters. I got a freshman in college, Abby, she's her oldest. She's at Babson. Uh, Michaela's a senior at the high school. She'll be going to Babson next year. Olivia is a freshman at the high school and then Grayson's in sixth grade. Yeah, amazing young girls. Uh, many of our listeners will know at least one of Chris and Nicole's daughters, but great kids all around. All right, let's get into this, and we'll talk more about the business per se. But if I had to ask you, um, with how you've grown the company, and I'm asking you now as a gentleman of your age as opposed to that 17-year-old kid that I first met, how would you describe Chris Donna's leadership style? Uh Athletics was a huge part of my life growing up, and it still is. Um, I definitely lead by example, but um, being a good coach and mentor is a big part of how I lead. Uh, I, I like to show, I like to set the expectations, uh, and then let them go and do, and then kind of correct and coach them along the way to make sure that they're handling themselves uh, the way that we want them, you know, to act in our community as employees of my company, and then obviously putting out the quality work that that we expect them them to do. Absolutely, and we'll talk about how things have changed with the company over the decades too. But along with your leadership style, what would you say uh, that you and Nicole have in terms of leadership values for the company? 
Um, you know, Coach McVay was a big part of my life. And one of the things that he harped on was, you know, be a good person, uh, be a good student, and then be a good athlete. And I kind of, you know, view my guys, you know, they're a, an extension of, you know, Nicole and I. Uh, and, and doing the right thing is something that we harp on on our Friday morning meetings, you know, with the employees. Um, everywhere you go, everybody's watching you. And we just want you to do the right thing. You know, how you drive your car, how you park, how you open a door at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, all that stuff, being a good person, uh, is is important to us. And then, you know, obviously being uh, a good employee in the field. So that that doing the right thing, uh, have integrity, uh, being a good person is, is something that you know we really look for in, in people that work for us. Yeah, and I and I can be a test to this. So we're going to get into a little bit later about your twenty one year history of actually maintaining the grounds here at the youth center, but. For 21 years, I have had your entire crew. I've probably seen 60 different people over the years that have cut my grass, weeded our beds. Uh, and each one of them uh, has a way about them, uh, polite, um, very honest. Um, you know, the, the way they talk to our staff and the kids and the concern, uh, it's really good. And you know that gets set up from obviously the people that are running the company. When you look back, and again, you know, when you look at what your business has been, it's been pretty much a lifetime business. But, you know, as a young kid going off to prep school, going off to Babson, um, what type of a leader have you thrived under? And maybe what type of a leader have you struggled with? Um, so I've never worked. I take that back. I have worked for one other person, that's Peter Breen, and Plow Snow for him. But as far as having a boss, uh, I've never really had one. I've had a lot of coaches, um, you know, from new sports in North Andover, from high school uh, to playing, you know, sports in prep school and then in college. Um, and it kind of comes back to that athletics piece to me. Those, those leaders that are, you know, coaching you and kind of encouraging you and giving you guidance and that, and that you go out uh, and kind of do it on your own, um, those are the kind of people that I like um, or thrived under, you know, as a person. Uh, I don't uh, like the authoritarian uh, type leader. Uh, I, I don't, it, it just, it turns me off. I think there's, uh, everybody has something to offer uh, and it's kind of your job as a leader uh, to find what that is and, and to bring that out. Uh, an authoritarian style leader is definitely kind of look beyond that and it's kind of my way or the highway and I, I don't I think you can miss uh, what people have to offer if, if that's the way you think yeah very well said uh, we talked about it first um, you know you and Chad were the company and uh, I go back it seems like it yesterday I can remember your brother Chad in my office um, and we were running through fake interviews and stuff because he was thinking about a career change and he made a career change and became very successful in first the pharmaceutical uh, business and obviously working with hospitals and stuff. And Chad is so successful in his own right too. But at some point in time, you and Chad decided to kind of split. Chad was moving on to something else and you took up. How was it like you and your bro running this thing, small, small business to start, and then Chad goes in a different direction and then you, with obviously the help of Nicole, take it in a different direction. What was it like going from the brother operation to barely being more of one guy running it? Um, so when we were younger, um, you know, we were, we were partners, we worked together, but it was kind of always, you know, as we started to grow a little bit, you know, I'd be like, hey, we need to get another lawnmower. Uh, we could do more work if we have two mowers instead of one. And then it was, we should get, you know, one of these push blowers instead of using, you know, brooms. And then it was, you know, I think we should get, and so it was kind of, it was kind of my vision as far as, you know, what we can do to be more efficient, what we can do at a young age to kind of grow. And Chad was kind of quiet, a little more laid back. Uh, I would just go and knock on people's doors in our neighborhood. Hey, can we mow your lawn? Hey, you know, we can clean your gutters. Hey, we can, you know, seal coat your driveway. Um, and then once we had, you know, kind of a handful of, of clients when we were young, we would do the work during the day and then we would drive around at night and I would get out and knock on the doors and we would get paid that evening for what we did. And I would knock on six or seven doors, then we'd pull into someone's driveway and look at Chad and say, all right, it's your turn. And he'd look at me and say, I'm not going to knock on a door. <laughs> and we'd end up getting a fist fight in the front seat of the car in someone's driveway and I'd get up and go and knock on the door. Uh, 
but he was kind of behind the scenes. He was more organizational, you know, who owed us what and that kind of stuff. You know, he kind of took that care of that kind of stuff. Um, and then when he left, um, you know, there was a void. Like I knew I needed someone that had that organizational piece. I was always more of a big picture mm. uh, kind of person, uh, had the ideas, um, but I needed help implementing. And um, uh, as we grew, um, that, that void, you know, became bigger. And then Nicole came into my life and uh, she was, you know, a school teacher at first and then came to work with you here and she was always doing stuff, you know, kind of in the back office for us, you know, when we were smaller and then started having kids, um, stay at home mom, she could do a lot of that office stuff for us. Uh, and that's kind of how, you know, she was brought in and then now, you know, she runs crews and she's a fantastic salesman I and mean, she's kind of the glue to everything. Uh, but she prefers, you know, to be out, uh, meeting customers, talking with people, uh, and, and running her, her crews. Awesome. Now, obviously, uh, Chris and Chad had two amazing parents that I, I got really close with. And obviously we lost your dad uh, a little over a year ago. And, uh, your dad was like a mentor to me. One of the nicest guys ever always asking me, uh, you know, how's the kids, Ricky? He always knew who my kids were and different things like that. But an amazing influence on me, so I can only imagine an amazing influence he was on you. And obviously your mother. Uh, I got to know, as I said at the beginning, a lot of work your mother was doing with the school department. And, you know, she was really a mentor to me in dealing with kids with learning disabilities and things like that. How would you say that Linda and Steve supported the early dream that you and Chad had and how they instilled leadership in you? Um... They, they never really said no to us. You know, we, we, you know, my mom, you know, in hindsight, she was our first office manager. I mean, someone would call in and ask for my brother and I to do some work. We'd get home at the end of the day from working and then we would call them back. So she was kind of, you know, that quote unquote office manager, you know, when we were at a young age. Um, and they, they, they let us fail. They, they let us go and, you know, you want to go and cut lawns? You want to go knock on they never said no. Um, and you know, we had a tractor at first and it was inefficient and didn't cut great. You know, I go to my dad, Hey, you know, we need to get a new mower. And you know, he starts talking to people and it's like, Oh, you don't want a tractor. You want one of these kind of mowers. And you know, he was super supportive. Uh, if we were backed up, he would work with us. Um, and you know, my dad was an athlete. Um, and that kind of going back to that coachability thing, it's kind of the same thing. You know, they would kind of offer guidance, but they never, gave us money, they never, uh, you know, said here's a truck and a trail and a mower, like you should do this. Uh, it was my brother and I that, you know, kind of had that, that vision and they just supported us. And it was um, pretty awesome to grow up with, with parents that, you know, um, kind of let you do your thing. And, and I mean, they, they knew when to say, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't do that, but you know, they kind of let us go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw that firsthand, and uh, he was really behind the scenes. I remember before, after he retired, and before he kind of stopped working, he, I mean, he, he'd come and fertilize that grass and basically tell, him, tell me how much of a taskmaster you were and making him work hard and things like that. But you can tell he was very proud of what you had built uh, with the company, as well as very proud of what Chad had done, too. So, obviously, we missed Steve uh, dearly. Chris, you were a star athlete at the high school. Um, you know, I got involved with you big time. You know, obviously we're both basketball junkies. Uh, but what people don't know is your big sport ended up becoming after high school was lacrosse. And that leads into a lot of the work you've done here with youth lacrosse. But how would you say um, sports helped you with leadership? Uh, you mentioned Mike McVeigh at one point, and I'm sure there were other people. What did you learn through leadership through sports? Um, to me, you know, that... And you're gonna might lead into it a little later with another question, but that hard work piece uh, and that effort that you put in um, in sports, you can see results. And um, and the same thing with our our business. I mean, yes, it is my business. Uh, you know, the harder you work, you know, the more you're gonna get out of it. Uh, but but with with sports, to me, um, you know, almost every team that I played on in high school, prep school, or college, I was the captain of, uh, and, and leading by example and being the hardest worker, uh, staying late after practice, you know, helping pick up cones or putting balls away, 
uh, just willing to do anything, um, you know, shows other people on your team, wow, he's the captain and he's cleaning up all the cones after practice, or he's the captain and he's bringing the ball out, bag out every day to practice. Uh, I just think it's important that, you know, being that good person, willing to do whatever it takes, uh, and actually doing that and setting that example, uh, you know, makes it easier to be a leader. Yeah, absolutely. And when I first started here was when uh, you guys were in high school, and um, I think people don't know, you were on a basketball team. You were a junior. Chad was a senior. and John Weston and that whole crew, Danny O'Neill. Um, it was probably one of the best teams we've had over here in the last 33 years, but people don't remember it because didn't get to the Songus Arena or to the state semifinal or whatever. But I'll never forget a phenomenal game uh, in the state tournament against West Roxbury with a guy named Ron Stone, who ended up having a, like a 12-year career in the NFL or whatever. And um, think back to that team a little bit. Um, what kind of leadership did that team have? Because as I watched that, I saw that team that was a very driven, motivated, uh, believed in each, each other, and like strong leadership. And you were a strong leader on that team not being a senior. Um, you know, obviously it was different back then uh, playing youth sports, high school sports, there was no, you know, AU or club, anything. Um, and much like, you know, those teams before us with, you know, Bill Gordon and the Keneally's and, and all those guys, um, we just wanted to play. And uh, if you were younger and you couldn't drive, you hooked up with, you know, older kids. And I was lucky enough to have an older brother. Uh, but we, we would go and play anywhere and everywhere uh, together, you know, all summer long. Uh, in the fall and just became like really, really close. Uh, and it was fun uh, being on those teams, just knowing that it was a team, that if you got into any kind of situation, you knew that anybody on that team would step up and have your back. And uh, being able to play and kind of having no fear, um, it's pretty fun. It, it, it's, uh, it's a good feeling to have, you know, when you're playing sports. Uh, and, you know, those, those guys, it's, you know, inclusive, you know, Hey, we're playing, you know, the Haverhill tonight, you know, we're picking you up at five o'clock and okay. And you go and play. It was, uh, I think a lot more team oriented, uh, back then, um, than it is now maybe, uh, and a lot more, you know, looking out for each other, uh, and it made a lot more fun. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, in my 33 years here, might be, you know, I, I got like four of my favorite probably teams, and yours was in definitely the four, and I'll just never remember, it was the old, the old youth center, you guys would show up at Drummond, and you'd start running drills, and there was always this inclusive thing, which I thought was pretty cool, and the team was pretty damn good, too, so, all right, let me switch gears a little bit. Um, some people, you mention it, but, you know, we sometimes look at perception sometimes, right? So Chris Downey owns this big landscaping business in town. And I think everybody knows you have a degree from one of the greatest business schools in the world. Um, how has maybe that Babson education helped you become the leader you are with your company? Um, so just to back up a little bit how I got to Babson, I wasn't a fantastic student. Uh, you alluded a little bit and talked about my mom and learning disabilities. Uh, I do have dyslexia. I am ADD. Um, I didn't set the world on fire at the high school. Um, I definitely knew that, you know, I had standards and expectations for myself and, um, what I did at the high school wasn't going to allow me to do what I wanted to do. And that's how I got to prep school and that small class environment, you know, six, seven kids, um, was very, uh, good for me and enabled me along with athletics to get into a school like Babson. Um, and then once at Babson, uh, it's, they take a very different approach to learning. Um, and it's not just, you know, a written exam or a paper. Uh, there's a lot of group work. Uh, there's a lot of presentations. Um, and, and that uh, kind of suited my learning style. Um, and then they just kind of teach you, you know, strategies. And, you know, they're known for their entrepreneurial studies program. And that was my major. Um, and it just gets you in a mindset and how to think. Uh, and I think most entrepreneurs, you know, you already have it within you. Um, and going to a school like Babson just kind of brings, you know, that out yeah, it's a little a, more. 
It's a great school. I've gotten very close with uh, head coach Steve Brennan uh, at, at Babson. Um, what's it going to be like? You have one daughter at Babson, and Michaela's going there next year. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, that entrepreneurial studies um, focus that they have there, they changed their curriculum a little bit um, from when I was there. Uh, on the back end, you were more, you know, working on a business plan. Uh, your junior and senior year, but right off the bat, you know, your freshman year there now, you're you're working on a business plan and a business, um, which I think is great. Uh, and so for those guys, um, you know, just and even our employees at, at Downer Brothers, uh, you know, we ask them to think like owners, and um, and at Babson, you know, they're teaching you that right off the bat. Yeah. Right. No, I, mean, I, I think obviously Abby and Michaela, they're going to do really well there too. So, all right, let's talk about Nicole again a little bit. We brought up this. Uh, I first got to meet Nicole. Uh, I always, I remember this. Nicole used to come down and watch us play pickup basketball. We had that league outside. and Nicole would kind of sit on the hill, and I don't think she was interested in watching you, and she definitely wasn't interested in watching me and Peter Breen, but she used to sit there with a book, and I used to sit there and say, wow, you know, she's, she's reading or she's understudying or whatever. And, you know, she's kind of supporting, you know, her boyfriend playing down at, at Drummond Park or whatever. But over the years, I've gotten to know Nicole and she's amazing in so many different things. And, and, and I had the opportunity to have her work for me for a very short period of time uh, before you had kids. And when you look at Nicole as your partner in business and your partner in life, um, how is that kind of interchange and you know maybe the positives of it and maybe how it's tough sometimes um, but you know obviously you are synced in in terms of the future of your company talk a little bit about that um, she, she is amazing she's awesome uh, definitely share um, same values same goals um, uh, she is much more organized organized and systems oriented um, I, I definitely have like a vision um, and she is a big a part of how that vision gets put into play um, the behind the scenes stuff um, when we were small uh, it was easy for me to run 10 guys 12 guys uh, as we started to grow uh, to run 20 guys uh, kind of in my head not with a whole lot of systems and support um, you really started to see the inefficiencies and, and we needed help and I needed help um, and uh, that led us to, to hire a consultant uh, that we worked with in probably two and a half three years uh, and a lot of stuff that he wanted us to do was stuff that you know she kind of took on and you know we would have our meetings and then we would have you know our life but a lot of it was talking about you know, how are we going to do this? You know, what's the best approach? You know, they want us to do this. Maybe we should do it like this a little bit, not exactly like how, you know, Jeffrey Scott, who was our consultant, wants wants us to do it. Um, so as far as, you know, that time period, it was pretty stressful. Uh, we were at a point where it was, you know, keep growing or go back the other way and downsize. Uh, we were just on that, you know, growth curve where, um, you know, it was either tighten things up and kind of figure some stuff out uh, and keep growing or kind of go back the other way. And she was a huge part of, you know, implementing new software, uh, systems, um, to get us kind of where we are now. Yeah. I've had many conversations. I've actually had more conversations with Nicole about this than I've had with you is I'm very, I'm intrigued with involvement and, you know, how things shape up and what I call, you know, tipping moments where you've got to make some decisions and you guys made some serious decisions of where to go as you've alluded to with the company on that, and I know she was directly involved with that. Things like efficiency, you know, growth, you know, how you manage different things. A lot of people probably uh, might have some insecurities of actually doing that. You brought this guy in as a consultant, and it was, a, as Nicole describes to me, a very stressful period, and you just said that. Um, so that process less, lasted a period of time. Where do you think the company is now post um, those decisions that you guys made? Um, it, you know, as far as, you know, growth and revenue, you know, uh, 
we're, we're pretty close to where we want to be. Um, but it's like anything, you know, it's that continuous improvement. Like we want to, you know, you have 30 guys at six or seven minutes a day, six days a week at 36 weeks out of the year that we work. It's a lot of money at, at the end of the, the season that you're spending. So shaving minutes off our day um, is what we're looking to do. And um, that's, you know, kind of what we're working on now. It's just that well-oiled machine, you know, little tweaks here, little tweaks there. You know, what if we did this? Um, you know, our end of day procedures, you know, if we did this at the end of the day, then that shaves a little bit of time off in the morning. Um, it's, it's a funny business where, you know, you make basically all your money in six months out of the year. So when it's go time, you know, you think you've planned all winter long, you think you have your stuff in place and all of a sudden you go from zero to a hundred. Um, it's, it's hard to work. Uh, on your business to make it better when you're working in your business because it's such a crazy time of the year. Uh, and so to find that time uh, and be disciplined um, to keep you know your eye on that goal of, of being a better business, um, it's balanced. Yeah, and I, I think the leadership that you and Nicole sheds, a lot of it is looking in the mirror, self-analysis. And I think, you know, like I don't, as an outsider, I didn't know you were going through that stress period of time. I saw kind of a fine oil machine with the company, uh, and you guys had to make some tough decisions. Um, I love the fact that you and Nicole are kind of partners, not just in life, but with the business. But you've also included the girls, right? So my girl, Michaela, I asked her, like, you coming back this summer to work? And she said, no, I'm going to be working uh, with my dad. I'm going to do some stuff with the business. How has it been with getting the girls involved with the business? Uh, it, it's it's pretty neat, you know, at home, uh, you know, with four kids, two dogs, nine chickens, uh, it's a little crazy and everybody has to contribute and uh, we kind of put it on them, like this is what the expectations are that you guys are gonna do at home. Uh, you need to do this, this, and this, uh, and then they come up with their own system. They have, you know, they call it their chore chart and each day, you know, someone's doing dog poop, someone's doing the chicken, someone's doing dishes, someone's vacuuming, someone's doing trash, and they're, you know, checking off and kind of holding each other accountable. Um, so that kind of team atmosphere is already uh, in our family, in our house, and, um, you know, it, it's pretty awesome to watch, you know, the older ones, um, you know, poking the younger ones, and now the younger ones are getting older, and now they're poking the older ones, and, hey, you didn't do this, and, uh, it, it's, you know, just anybody's willing to do anything. Um, the older two, Abby is in the office, absolutely loves coming to work every day, loves being in the office. Uh, she's, you know, learned our software system. Uh, she is doing customer service. She's helping with scheduling, um, estimating, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, they both have worked in the field. Um, it's just, you know, there's no... I don't want to do that. It's okay. You're coming to work. You know, today you're going to be weeding beds at you know the Burkhart's house. Uh, tomorrow you're going to be in the office. You know, you need to do this, this, and this. And it's okay. What's next? Uh, and that 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 willing kind of to do anything uh, that they're asked uh, makes it fun to have them around. Yeah. Um, you know, and then where I live, uh, Gray Rock is right up the street, and it's a you know ten or twelve. It's a big farmhouse that has 10 or 12 condominiums in there. And on a big snowstorm, you know, if we're getting behind, I'll call to the house and say, hey, you guys need to go up and shovel Gray Rock. And at 7 in the morning, I wake them up and they'll grab shovels and they'll walk up to Gray Rock and they'll shovel all the walks and do whatever they have to do. And there's no, I'm not doing that. It's just, you know, they go and do it. I know it's early, but do you see, um, do you see, let's just start with Ab and uh, Michaela. Do you, do you think either one of them will... Um kind of grow with the business and maybe even after graduation be part of the, the family business or do you see them kind of doing their own entrepreneurship? Uh, I, I don't push it. Uh, if, if they certainly wanted to take the business over, uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, squash their dreams. It is a pretty tough industry to be in. Um, uh, labor right now with what's going on in the country is um, a huge challenge. Um, and what we do, we need 
uh, a lot of guys. And that's, you know, right now one of our biggest challenges is just, you know, finding help. Uh, uh, we do have a core group of guys that we have two guys that have been with us 22 years. Um, once we find good employees, you know, we try to hold on to them. Um, as far as the girls, um, you know, if they wanted in, I, I certainly would mentor them and they'd probably tell me to leave, but, uh, you know, help them along and, and help keep it going. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, again, they're amazing girls, so we'll, we'll follow this. Let's talk a little bit about our 21-year relationship with the youth center. So when we built this in 99, you were actually part of uh, the committee, and your expertise was you actually designed how the outside was going to look at the youth center, whether it be the trees we planted, the bushes we planted, the beds, and things like that. And it is amazing. I go around this building right now. Like You remember those trees outside were like two feet tall when we, when we planted them in 2000. And right now, it's, I think, you know, and I'm obviously partial on this, I think it's uh, the best kept municipal building in town. Uh, and a lot of that is the ownership of our kids. And no lie, we would not be able to do this without Donna Brothers Landscaping. So why, why the 21 year relationship? Obviously people know me and you have a personal relationship, but to me it seems more that with Nicole and you, that there's really a commitment to give back and you've chosen this building to do a lot. And let's be honest, folks, um, from cutting season at the end of cutting season, down the brothers is here every week. You do a fall cleanup, you do a spring cleanup. Um, you're involved with, you know, HJ and the crew building our uh, ice hockey rink every winter and, and taking it down. And, you know, whenever we need some pruning and whenever we need some tree work, uh, it's it's down our landscape. And take Why? Um, I do think it's important to get back. You know, my parents, um, you know, we're involved in the community and uh, we're all about helping others. Uh, and they definitely instilled that in my brother and I. Um, I feel really strongly about, you know, our kids and our kids in our community. And uh, this is a, a pretty special place and it should look special. Um, and if if we can help out uh, and, and help this place, you know, keep its doors open and keep providing the programs uh, that you've put in place, um, uh, more than happy to do it. And uh, I do think, um, you know, it's, it's tough to be a kid right now. And I, I do think that, you know, youth centers are, are an important uh, place for our, our kids to be able to go and, and to do different things and, and, and to have a place where, uh, you know, they can be a kid. Yeah, I mean, we obviously greatly appreciate what you and Nicole commit to us every single year. And we're excited. We got a grant through the Joseph N. Herman Youth Center. Uh, Chris will be installing uh, an irrigation system that we've long wanted uh, to keep our grass always looking green. Uh, it kind of gets a little rough sometimes around July and August from the hot summers and all the sun that's out here. But, you know, the continued to make our building the best thing. And I think the work that Nicole, Chris, and his crew does um, also makes the kids take ownership for it. And, uh, you know, we've put them together a kid beautification committee now and things like that. So once again, Chris, we thank you and Nicole. 21 years, folks, of giving back to the youth center. And it's very greatly appreciated. Chris, you were involved with youth sports. And again, we talked about it. Things were different back in 89 when I first came here and you were a high school kid. But as raising four daughters, um, we've also talked about a different perspective we have on youth sports. So sometimes you and I talk about that youth sports has gotten totally out of whack and you know, there's more to life than youth sports. And, and you've, you've found a nice balance. Um, you obviously... Uh, Vermont and Maine are very um, precious to you and your family. You get a lot of getaway time, but you're also still involved with a lot of the youth sports. And I would say at this point, the biggest sport you're involved with is youth lacrosse. Um, you know, what's your take? Why why are you involved with the you know the youth lacrosse program? And you know, what are some of maybe the advantages and disadvantages of where we are with youth sports these days? Um, I, I do love coaching. Um, I am a super competitive person. Um, uh, uh, I think sports just has so much to offer uh, kids from all different backgrounds. You know, uh, there's so many lessons to be learned. Um, 
uh, through through sports. Um, I do think that uh, we've gone a little bit overboard uh, with the sports. Uh, kids still need to be kids. Um, kids still need to go to the beach in the summer. They need to go, um, you know, to the mountains and, and hike and, and do that kind of stuff. Uh, sports is becoming uh, a pretty intense, uh, pressure-filled experience, or it can be. Uh, and I think, you know, shutting it down, uh, is a good thing. You know, take that month off in August or that month off in July, uh, and then just go do stuff with your family, your friends, uh, and, and kind of turn off the sports. Uh, uh, as far as what we've done with our kids, um, the older two will say that I push them a lot more than I have the younger two. Uh, and to be honest, they're, they're probably all at the same spot that they were, you know, with the two that I pushed hard versus the two that I didn't push, uh, mm-hmm. as far as talent wise. Um, it, it's, it's important that, you know, the kids are having fun. And if, if the parents are making it not fun, uh, I think you need to look, you know, at what you're doing and, um, you, you can get on a club team or you can get on an AU team and you can play, 365 uh, if you want uh, I don't think that's the best thing um, if you talk to college coaches you know everybody talks about that three sport athlete there's very few left uh, but when you play so many games in a year it just becomes another game and I think you lose you might be more skilled because you're playing so much uh, but I don't think you're a better player you lose that competitive edge you lose that fire uh, in your belly uh, you're not as tough uh because it's just another game. You know, I've got three more on Saturday, and then Monday I'm going to go here and play. Uh, I, I think, you know, that that waters it down a little bit. Uh, and I think getting away from, you know, sports for a little bit kind of gives you a chance to recharge those batteries and kind of get that fire back. Uh, and if you play three sports or two sports, um, going from season to season, um, it's, you know, it's not a few, it's over, but it's, you know, I can't wait for this to start, and it's something new. And then that ends, and it's I can't wait for that season to start. And I think, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I think you guys have built a nice balance. Obviously, of all your four daughters, I've gotten to know Michaela the most, and I'm actually look at her as being extremely grounded. Right, I, I know what's important to her, um, specifically on the lacrosse field, but I also know it's important for her to go skiing on the weekends. I know it's important for her to be with her family. I know it's important to be with her friends. I actually seeing her go off to play lacrosse at Babson next year with Abby. Um, I see someone that's got a nice balance to that, and I do worry, as someone who works with kids 24-7 for 33 years, I am worried of what, where we're going with youth sports and the expectations we have and everything else. So, uh, Chris, we've asked every one of our savage leaders, we've given them a quote that I actually read that kind of is pertained to the, to the guests. So today, this is one I thought of you. Could you tell me what this quote means to you? Hard work is not punishment. Hard work is the price of admission for the opportunity to reach sustained excellence. Uh, to me, that kind of says it all. Um, if you're willing to put the work in, uh, you're going to get out exactly what you put in. Uh, and as a business owner uh, and a small business, you know, there's days where, you know, yep, I come to work with, you know, a collared shirt on. Uh, something goes sideways it doesn't go as planned all of a sudden you know you're in the trenches uh working alongside your crew uh and when you are working you know you're working as hard or harder than them uh you know setting that example um in athletics to me you know that hard work piece uh if you're not willing to work hard and put that time and effort in uh, you aren't going to see the results that you want um and you know it's kind of the same thing in life it's you know relationships uh, if you don't work, um, you know, on those relationships, you're not going to have them. Uh, and uh, some of the greatest um, kind of enjoyments in life are the things that you work the hardest at. Um, and if you're willing to put the work and the time, you will see that that excellence. Yeah, that sustained excellence. Like I, 
I should probably show people this picture. I have a picture. You and Chad were actually in a magazine that Linda had given me. And it was a, a magazine for uh, that focused on uh, working with kids with learning disabilities. Um, and obviously you talked a little bit about that. And uh, the picture, you are wearing way too short of shorts, i got to be honest <laughs> with you. You're pushing this thing on your skateboard. And when I think back at that, and again, when you're, when you're someplace as long as I am, 33 years now, it is awesome to see the growth with lots of people. And to me, to see that sustained excellence of when, when you just had a few yards and you were calling up people. And uh, the, the story of him like getting in a fight with Chad in the, in the truck about who's going to go collect the money or whatever. I mean, that's how you and Chad kind of rolled back in the day. So seeing how this company has sustained excellence and obviously grows in its excellence every day is unbelievably impressive. Let me talk to you about making tough decisions and focus it around the pandemic. So the pandemic, um, you know, pandemic affected businesses in a lot of ways. Sometimes it may or may not have affected landscapers as much. As a matter of fact, I saw more people doing more work with their lawn last year than they probably had done before. But how did the pandemic affect Downer Brothers? And when you make tough decisions, what guides you in making those tough decisions? Um, you know, making a tough decision, you know, uh, to me, you got to educate yourself. And um, I'm not afraid to ask uh, for help or ask for people's opinions, uh, you know, and I'll kind of gather all that information in uh, and process that. And then, you know, I'll move forward and make my decision. Uh, very rarely on a big decision will I just go ahead and do it on my own. Uh, unless I'm on the spot, then you have to. But... Um, I do, you know, I have Peter Breen in town and town and row who I looked up to when I was young. Um, was not afraid to pick up the phone or drop in and see those guys, you know, hey, you know, we got this going on, you know, how did you do this or what do you think? Um, and then as the business started to grow, uh, it wasn't, the questions weren't so much about how you do something, you know, in the field landscape wise, it was more you know, like business decisions and, uh, you know, reaching out to, you know, successful people, uh, I wasn't afraid to do. Uh, so to me, that tough decision part was, you know, do your homework kind of thing and, 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 and gather information and then uh, make how, your decision. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. In terms of the pandemic, how was Downer Brothers affected by the pandemic? Uh, initially, it was very scary. I mean, didn't know, um, you know, what it was going to look like. And, you know, talking about shutting everything down, uh, that shuts our business down. That shuts our revenue. Uh, we don't get paid unless we do work. And the thought of not being able to go out and do work, um, you know, you work hard uh, to grow your business, to grow your culture. Uh, and then, you know, to, to collect, you know, I call them teammates, but, you know, employees, uh, and for us to not to be able to go out, uh, and, and work means that, you know, how am I going to pay these guys? And that, that was a real, you know, concern. Um, uh, and then as, you know, kind of stuff progressed, it was okay, we can do this and this, but, you know, we had to set up our guidelines. We had to set up. You know, our procedures, uh, we only had one person uh, uh, get COVID. Uh, we were very fortunate that, um, you know, our guys were disciplined and were doing the right things. And uh, at the end of it, uh, it turned out to be a fantastic year. Uh, people were staying home. Their entertainment and travel budgets weren't being spent on entertainment and travel. Uh, it was, hey, why don't we do something to our house? And a lot of it was outdoor um you know, work that we were able to take advantage of. Yeah, good year for you guys and well-deserved. When you think about um, growing your leadership, so you are extremely successful, both in you, Nicole, the company. Uh, you're, you're still a young guy. How do you grow your leadership? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, you know, the people that are our friends, um, people that, you know, we hang around with or you know, socialize with, they're all successful people. Uh, and I'm a pretty social person, uh, grew up, 
um, kind of watching Peter Breen and this big family, and in my mind, I'm like, that's what I want. Like, I want to have a big family. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, Nicole is more of an introvert, and she can grab that book and for a weekend, you know, be in Vermont and do her thing and not come out and do anything. Uh, to me, it's who's coming over tonight. Like, let's have a barbecue. Uh, I like, you know, socialize. And, uh, uh, you know, in those settings, um, you know, we got friends that are, you know, in finance, they're business owners, you know, big and small, um, you know, picking their brains, asking them, running stuff by them. Uh, and then uh, our, our industry, it's a pretty big industry. People don't realize how big it is. Um, but there's tons of trade groups and industry specific, you know, groups and magazines. And uh, I try to read a little bit every morning. I get into work, you know, 5.30, quarter of six. It's super quiet then. Um, our consultant, I'm still a part of his, you know, kind of network. And he sends out, you know, these, you know, kind of like newsletters. Mm. Um, and just reading that kind of stuff and just kind of seeing how other people do things and, you know, trying to take and apply to what we're doing to make it, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely better. not resting on your laurels. I love hearing that. And it's interesting, your consultant's still connected with you and Nicole. And uh, obviously, it has helped immensely with what your vision of the program is. Let's talk a little bit about a guy you've mentioned a few times. So when I first started here, um, they had recently separated, but Tyler Monroe and Peter Breen, who when I first came here, I would have to say by far the two biggest names in landscaping uh, in North Andover. At that point, Pete had kind of taken over the Bach melch piece of it, and Ty was still doing most of the, the lawn cutting or whatever. And, you know, you know, Pete, uh, and first of all, he'd be really upset if we didn't talk about him on this podcast, but got to know Pete real well. And then as I was getting to know you in uh, our infamous trips to Maine, uh, which we had many, many many trips to Maine, a lot of good times, is I always looked at you and Chad as almost mini-me uh, Peter Breen's. And you kind of said it, like you saw Pete, um, kind of sad for all of us. Pete, Pete and Kerry sold the house out on Boxer Street, a house that he raised five kids at, and he had the original bark mulch area was there and everything else. Um, but how would you say Peter, Tyler, or anybody else kind of helped shape your vision in terms of entrepreneurship? Uh, you know, both very successful guys. Um, Pete, I connected a little bit more with, um, mainly because of basketball. Um, and that's how I first kind of got to know him. Um, but he's one of my best friends. Talked to him, you know, a couple times a day. Uh, but he and Tyler, you know, back in the day, they, they, they were it. I mean, they, they were the, the landscaping company around here. Um, and they were successful and, you know, they ended up going... Two different directions, and, and, and Pete, um, you know, I, I guess looking back, I've kind of taken a little bit from both. Uh, Tyler's, you know, pretty dialed in, definitely systems oriented. Uh, Pete's more of that big picture, you know, guy. Uh, and, and looking at both of them, you know, I, I've taken a little bit from each uh, on kind of how I approach things. Um, I definitely grew a little bit bigger. Uh, more guys um, than they did, um, uh, but they both definitely had something to offer that was different. That that I, you know, kind of yeah. I mean, it was it's, it's been really fun for me to watch because when I first met those guys, they were they were raising young kids now. Now their kids are all grown um, and both still have good companies. But I look at Pete and to be honest with you, I deal with Tim and Travis more than I deal with Pete right now, and and how he's you know, kind of downsizing a little bit in terms of his role. And, you know, it would be interesting to see where Tim and Trav take that business going forward. And obviously Ty's still around doing great stuff. Ty continues to do a lot for the soccer association in our fields and things. But two good guys to look up to that really cared about this community, gave back to this community. I don't think people know how much Tyler and Pete have given back to the community over the years. All right, we got a few more questions and we'll get you out of here because I know you got check on the crews and everything. What would a 17-year-old, what would you What would you say to the 17-year-old Chris Downer today? So let's go back to when I first met you with those shorty shorts pushing that lawnmower. Um, with everything you've known now as a man in his, in his 40s, um, what would you say to that 17-year-old Chris Downer now? Um, so you alluded a little bit to, you know, us going to Maine and going to Vermont. Um, 
uh, up until I met Nicole, I mean, I, I, I just, I go a hundred miles an hour and, um, you know, my day is pretty action packed, uh, going from, you know, working all day to, you know, when we were younger playing basketball three, four five nights a week, um, just, you know, on the move, on the move, constantly doing stuff, uh, but taking that little bit of time to yourself and kind of slow it down a little bit and reflect, uh, something that I didn't do, um, you know, what kind of led us to Vermont, uh, Nicole's parents died 15 months apart. Uh, I was coaching, uh, high school basketball over in Andover with coach Fazio. Uh, I thought it was one of the most important things that I was doing. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, we had some pretty successful teams over there. Uh, Nicole's like, you know, we have two kids, I'm pregnant. Like, this is not what I want to do is be chasing you around in the high school gym. I was like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to ski. And we have friends, you know, from town, the Applegates that, you know, had been going to Sugarbush for a number of years and they invited us up and uh, uh, we stayed with them a couple of weekends and um, realized that it was a fantastic, you know, family activity. And um, that kind of started us going to Vermont and it's probably the best thing that, you know, we ever did. Um, we have friends with kids that are, you know, in town and, you know, the parents would say, oh, you wait till they get to high school, they're not going to want to go with you. Um, maybe one or two weekends, they would stay home in a five-year span, but it was, you know, what time are we leaving for Vermont? Every Friday. You know, they couldn't wait to go. Uh, so that, that kind of, you know, taking that time, being with your family, uh, slowing things down, kind of shutting things off, uh, I think is important. And when I was younger, I definitely didn't do that. Uh, definitely yeah, it, I found it, a way to do it now. It's really great to see if, uh, you know, and I need to get in touch with Chris on a Friday afternoon. It's usually I know he's on the road heading to Vermont, so it's a good chance for me to catch him while he's on the road. I, I do find it amazing that um, when I think of uh, Mick and, and your, the rest of your daughters, um, they really are pumped to get out of here every Friday and head to the weekend. Uh, on, with Pete Green, I obviously was involved with every one of his kids. And a lot of them were the same way. Kristen was a little bit different. Kristen fought them every weekend about going. But what's ironic now, Kristen lives in Maine and would love to be up there every weekend and everything else. So it's good little advice to almost take a deep breath, um, take an evaluation of stuff. And, and again, I know how much you loved coaching with FaZe and how successful your end of a team was. But I think a tipping point for you was, you know, Nicole said, listen, I don't, want, I don't really want to do this. It's not what I really want to do. And you partners, in an example of how great partners you are, you kind of figured it out, and I think it's been great in the long run. So um, let me ask you, you have t two daughters, uh, obviously Babs and kids as of next year. Um, I want you to speak to them, but also speak to all of my other kids that are maybe graduating college, graduating high school, that have visions of being their own entrepreneur in whatever business it may be. You have proven to do this. What would your be advice to these young people that have a dream to maybe start their own business? Uh, don't be afraid, and, and don't be afraid to fail. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, you know, all they can say is no. Um, and, and so what if they say no, uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, you, you are going to fail, uh, in, in it's okay. Uh, I think, you know, with how kids are now and, and, you know, how they compare their GPAs to each other, you know, their, what college you're going to, what's the admission, you know, rate there and, uh, the, the bars that they set for each other are, are kind of ridiculous, I think, it, and, and the pressure that it creates, it's, it, it's, it's okay. Like, you, you don't need to be, you know, the kid with the highest GPA. Uh, you don't need to be the kid that's going to the best school. Uh, uh, take chances, take risks, uh, uh, and, and figure it out. Like, if they say no, and say, well, why are they saying no? What can I do so, you know, I, I can change this, the situation? But... Uh, you know, taking those risks and, and you know, have fun. It, it's not, uh, yeah, it, it's not so important to be, you know, 
the top in the class, it's it's where you end up and, yeah. and, and take those risks. I like taking the risk. I think so. One of my fears a little bit with, and I'm focusing on North Anna because I've been here for 33 years, but I'm sure it's like that with other communities is I, I worry about the kids that are afraid to taste the risk. They're afraid of making, having failure. And I don't live my life that way. You don't live your life that way. And, you know, failures turn into successes. You, get, you can't be walking on eggshells. You can kind of get this done. All right, Chris, before we let you go, we, we kind of ask our leaders, and we don't give you any prep on this. I'm going to give you five names of people that I think are leaders in whatever uh, genre or anything else. And I want you just to let me know what comes to your mind when I say this name. So I'm going to start off with someone you know pretty close. Chad Downer. Um, awesome brother. Um, challenged me you know, every day growing up, uh, uh, super supportive, you know, would do anything uh, for anybody, uh, and a great athlete. Absolutely. Going to give you one of a national uh, known person. Uh, I'm intrigued with this person's leadership style from where it came from to where it is now, but um, a hip-hop artist or, um, you know, guys, the king of hip-hop, Jay-Z. When you think of Jay-Z, what do you think of in terms of leadership? Uh, a guy that, you know, created a, a pretty awesome empire. Uh, definitely had some adversity, uh, was willing to put the time and the work in, and um, he's done quite well for himself. Yeah, he really has. Um, Peter Brain. Uh, he's one of those guys that's not afraid. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I think more people uh, need to lead and speak out, and he's one of those guys. Um, he, he gives a tremendous amount back and has to this town, this community. Um, and when you see something that's not right, uh, he was a guy that would not be afraid uh, to speak up or you know, to get behind someone uh, and, and have their back uh, in speaking up. Um, just a really generous person, generous family. Uh, good guy. Yeah, we bust his chops a lot. But talk about a guy that's a loyal friend, a guy that really has a back. I mean, uh, this building is not built here uh, with, you know, people like Tom and Pim Burkhardt, you know, Jack Shaw, Terry Price, and Peter Breen. I mean, there is no youth center without Peter Breen. I don't think people know... Um, and he likes to remind people how much work he did down here. But um, obviously, Pete has donated Bach mulch to every elementary school. He's he's been all with every finder. He bleeds North Andover, and that's why it is a little melancholy thinking about that 770 Boxford Street's not the home of Peter Breen anymore. And uh, I think we all spent a lot of time growing up there, right? Ice skating, hanging out in the barn, Christmas parties, Christmas parties and... Uh, just a real good guy, and I don't think North Andover probably knows how lucky they are to have him. Deanna Taurasi, one of the, I think, the greatest woman basketball player. Uh, fierce, uh, you know, competitor, uh, all those things that, you know, you hope and wish to play with, you know, growing up or being on a team. Um, I mean, she's that you know, all-encompassing, you know, teammate. Um, kind of do whatever needs to be done, whether it's getting a stop on D, whether it's taking that shot, uh, that lead by example. Um, I, I picked her, Chris, because I actually see a little bit of you in her with all the things you just said. Like, she's a fierce competitor, way to get, but not afraid of failure. Um, and obviously, I think she's a huge leader in our women's game of basketball. I'm going to give you the last one, the most important one, Nicole Downer. Um, to me, you know, she's everything. Uh, just to watch her, you know, with our kids, um, and how she parents, how she's willing, you know, to give her time to anybody. Um, uh, she's a fantastic writer. Um, she's done a lot of, um, one-on-ones with, with family friends, with writing college essays. Um, just really uh, an intelligent person, uh, very, very thoughtful, uh, very lucky to have her in my life. Absolutely. She's the brains of the outfit, I tell everybody yes. all the time. Chris, this was awesome. Uh, this really, I think, for me, this was a trip down memory lane. 
Um, you know, as I look at my career where it is right now, I mean, I feel very fortunate to have Chris and Chad Downer and Nicole Downer in my life the last 33 years. Obviously, you know how much I appreciate what you guys do for us at the Youth Center. Um, it's all love uh, for the three of you. It's And, you know, congratulations on the business. I mean, I am... I watched front row seat, watched the growth of this business, and it's it's extremely impressive. Um, and the and the the business piece I'm watching right now is the growth of four amazing daughters, uh, all great kids, Chris. Um, and I know that they're going to be really successful. Whether it's eventually coming back into the Donna Brother landscaping or doing their own thing, they will be very successful. So, I want to thank you once again for coming on the Savage Leadership Series. Uh, thank you, and. Uh... Thank you for your 33 years of um, excellence here in, in North Andover. Uh, you've done a tremendous job, um, you know, with this building and this, the programs you run out of here. And in our community is is definitely very lucky to have you as a part of it. Well, thanks for saying that. This wraps up our six-part series. I want to thank all of our guests that we've had on, Christina Minacucci. Uh, Dina Young, uh, Melissa Rodriguez, Rich Napolitano, uh, John McVeigh, and obviously Chris Donna. This has been really good. The feedback that people have gotten from people they know from the community and hearing their leadership styles and things that make them tick, um, I'm most proud about that I think our listeners got to see how human these six amazing leaders are. So that wraps up our series. We'll be back to doing some other crazy uh, interesting things with a lot of our kids as we're winding down the year like no other. So you'll be looking forward to other ones that uh, we'll be having back every week. We'll have a different topic. For people that have different topics or different speakers they want to hear, get in touch with me. We're open to everything. And uh, again, thank you to all of us, the listeners of North Andover. And we basically end every podcast by saying too much passion is never enough passion.